I'm really excited about uh, the teaching because we begin uh, a series focused on the life of Jesus. As you know, Easter's coming up on April 20th. And, uh, and so what I wanted to do, what I felt impressed to do, is to begin to teach uh, on the life of Jesus kind of in a, in a uh, consecutive way. In, in other words, where the teachings kind of going alongside each other so that we can see how it all fits in together. And so I'm, I'm just really excited about it. Um, obviously, it's not going to be comprehensive. Uh, even today, the, the message that I believe God gave me today, I had a hard time uh, figuring out how we were going to teach it because there's so much in the life of Jesus. Obviously, we won't, we're not going to be able to cover it in six weeks. But today, in particular, what I believe the Lord led me to do today is to prepare to teach on the life or on the desert experience of our Lord Jesus Christ. So today, I want to focus on the desert. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. As I was studying and getting ready uh, in regards to the desert experience, there is so much. And I was almost, I was, I was tempted to try to cram it all in in one message. But then I see some of your faces sometimes on Sunday. And I'm like, you know what, we're just going to take this at bite sizes. Give you just enough for today and then we're going to continue this message next week. Today I just want to focus on the desert experience and particularly I want to look at temptation and how we are to understand temptation, okay? Today I want to look at temptation and the basics and the nature of temptation as we look at the life of the Lord Jesus, amen? So, let me just say this before we read the scripture. There is one common thing, something that I see that uh, many believers struggle with. Believers who are old in the faith, meaning that they have been in the faith for many, many, many years, and believers who are young in the faith. I've seen many who struggle with this reality of temptation. And that's this. Many of us believe that if we have a level of temptation, or if we're tempted, then we must not be holy enough. There is some kind of belief that's crept in the church somehow, some way, or in our thinking that makes us assume that if there is temptation in our lives, it means that we are not as holy as Jesus wants us to be. Some of us would even uh, condemn ourselves and live our lives so discouraged because we're battling with the same temptations that happen to come over and over again, seasons that come in and out nonstop. And we feel like, man, if I'm still struggling, if I'm still being tempted in this area, then obviously I'm not as holy as I think I am. God hasn't really done his work. Some of us would even say, I must not be saved. How could I be saved and still be tempted and have the thoughts that I am thinking today. Right? And so it, it's, a, it's something that I've seen in so many of us, including myself. And I want to tell you the good news today. Nothing could be further from the truth. Amen. Are you with me? I want to tell you the good news today. Nothing could be further from the truth. The fact that your attempt at has nothing to do... Uh, with your righteousness. Your righteousness is not your own. Jesus Christ died for your righteousness. You're righteous in Christ. No matter what you're tempted with. So today. As, as we look at this issue of temptation. And if you're battled this way with temptation. And you feel like. You know how can God love me. Look at the thoughts that I have. And look at the temptations that I battle with. How can God possibly love me. And be working in me when I struggle with these things. I want you to know that the scriptures will show you today. Uh, I believe. Uh, that God does love you in the midst of those temptations, no matter what it is that you're struggling with. So Matthew chapter 4, we're going to read there from verse 1 through 11. We're not going to get through every verse. I'm just going to read it all so that we can kind of just keep in line 
with what's happening next week as well, God willing. God willing. And we're going to begin reading there, verse 1. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Everybody take a big breath with me. Let it out. Think about that verse with me, okay? Then Jesus was led by who? Into where? To, for what purpose? Who led Jesus? What spirit? The Holy Spirit. Okay. I just want us to consider that. Just let that mess with you for a minute. Verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. <laughs> if I fast one day, <laughs> that's a Daniel fast. You know what I mean? Just like a missed breakfast, I'm hungry, right? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And their glory. Okay. Now, I don't want you to get tripped up here. Some people take certain things so literally. But what you need to be seeing here is that there was something spiritually happening, something spiritual happening where Jesus was taking to this, taken to this place. And obviously the devil had a level of authority, right? Or a level of, 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 of something happened there. Where God allowed the devil to show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Not just the kingdoms, not just an oversight, but the glory thereof. Do you see this temptation here? you understand that? All right. Uh, and then Jesus said, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the, le the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And I want to read, uh, just share with you what Luke chapter 4, I believe verse 13 says. The devil left him. Uh, uh, angels did minister to him. And then it adds this other reality. It's that the devil left him until an opportune time. So the devil didn't leave forever. But he left until another time arrived where he deemed appropriate to tempt Jesus again. Let's pray. Father, break the chains today over our thoughts processes that keep us condemned and discouraged and uh, walking in victory. Uh, wa uh, Lord, I pray break those thought processes. Your word says that we have mighty weapons that are mi mighty to break the strongholds that set themselves up against the knowledge of who you are. So God, break those strongholds that are in my mind, those strongholds that are in our minds, that we will be free, that we will be free. Thank you for your word. Uh, communicated effectively today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we have this incredible portion of Scripture where Jesus, uh, at, at the beginning of his ministry before he actually preaches, he is led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the enemy. And just in those first four verses, 
I think that we see a reality about temptation that I want to focus on for this week. One reality. The first reality I want to mention today about temptation is this. No one can avoid temptation. Everybody is tempted. Are you with me today? Everybody, everybody is tempted. Now, when you think of Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that he was sinless. Do you know that today? Amen. The Bible teaches us that Jesus had no sin, that he committed no sin. The Bible also teaches us that he was fully God and fully man. So because he was fully God, he was able to withstand. But because he was fully man, he was able to understand the deal with temptation. Right? Now, if Jesus was tempted, being fully God, right, and fully man, if he was tempted, how much more do you think we are going to be tempted? Anybody with me today? Now, let me ask you a question. Jesus being tempted, did it mean that he wasn't holy enough yet? What do you think? Was Jesus not holy enough? Did he have to grow in his hol did he have to uh, did Jesus have to grow in his holiness? Or was he already holy? Was he not already perfect? He was already perfect. He was already everything that God the Father wanted him to be. Right? And yet in the midst of that reality, he's tempted. Why? Because his righteousness didn't depend on his temptation. Temptation is not a, a temptation or, or battling with temptation or having temptations. doesn't mean that we're not holy or that we're not godly. It just means that we are humans. And in this human nature, temptation will be a reality always. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 through 16 says this about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest or someone who stands in the gap to intercede for us. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So here's the reality about Jesus. He was tempted. He was fully God. He was tempted in all points. How many of y'all are encouraged by that? That means that when you pray to God, He understands what you're going through. He understands what it is to be tempted. Whether it be with pride, entitlement, with lust, or whatever it may be, Jesus understands. He was tempted always, and He sympathizes with our weakness. So if you're here today and you're feeling like, you know what? How can Jesus love me? Look at the thoughts that I'm thinking. Look at the things that tempt me. How can he love me? I want you to hear this one word. Jesus sympathizes with you. Amen. He understands. He understands. Some of us think, you know, if God only knew the things that I'd be thinking, he would forsake me. No. Actually, he knows the things that you're thinking. <laughs> and he, he isn't forsaking you. He says to you, come to me. Right. You who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that incredible? Uh, so, some of us, some of us, you know, and, and just to paint a picture, we see sin and we think sin is awful, but God is perfect in all his ways. He knows how awful sin really is. And still he doesn't forsake you. He loves you. He sympathizes with you and your weaknesses. Amen? No one is exempt from temptation. If Jesus Christ was tempted, then you and I will be tempted. That's the nature of temptation. It's part of the human nature. Temptation will be a reality until we're transformed and we see Jesus face to face. 
Second thing I want to share with you about temptation that we see in these verses is this. Oftentimes, <laughs> temptation comes after spiritual highs. Okay? Listen. Oftentimes, temptation comes after you had a spiritual high or, or, or you've experienced the glory of God somehow, some way. Now, Matthew 3, 16 through 17. Get, get, get a load of this picture that the Bible paints for us. When he had been baptized, this is Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, he came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved, my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Wouldn't you want that to be the reality when you're baptized, right? Let's get baptized all over. And let's just, you know. Can you imagine the heavens? What does it look like when the heavens are open? You know? What, what did John the Baptist see? You know? What was that experience like? That the Holy Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, and God the Father spoke over him and said, This is my Son, in him I am well pleased. Wow. Yeah. How powerful is that? Amen. Boy, it makes me think as a father, this is a, a, a rabbit trail in a bit, a little bit for fathers. If the son needed affirmation from the father, how much your kids need affirmation from you? Well, here you have an incredible spiritual high where Jesus is on the top of the mountain. God the Father speaks, right? And what happens directly afterwards? He's led into the desert. And there he is tempted. And I want you to pay attention to the way the devil tempts him. The devil says to him, if you are the son of God. Do you see what the devil's attacking? What is the devil attacking there? He's, his identity. He's attacking the very thing the Father has affirmed in Jesus. Do you see that? God the Father just said, this is my son, in him I am well pleased. And immediately afterwards, Satan says, well, if, <laughs> if you are the son of God. Do you see that connection there? You see, now what, how do we overcome? The Bible says that the believer overcomes by what? By what Jesus has done for us, the blood of the Lamb, and the word of our testimony. Why? Because our testimonies speak of what God has done and affirmed in our lives. Right? When you begin to testify and walk in what God has affirmed in your life, know that the devil will be there to say, well, if God has set you free. Well, if you really belong to God, if you're saved. If you've been delivered. Because the devil is not out to give you a hard time. He's out to kill you. To kill, steal, and destroy. To get you to relinquish what God has declared and affirmed in your life. Do you see that today? Do you see that today? He was trying to convince. He was trying to get Jesus <laughs> to question and doubt the very thing the Father affirmed in him. What has God affirmed in your life that the devil's tempting you? testing you in today what areas in your life are you feeling uh, th this this kind of pull i, I want to say this very clearly keep your eyes open because as soon as soon as you begin to testify and witness to, to people and share the love of god the enemy wants to keep you shut because if he keeps you shut people aren't going to come to know jesus 
And if people don't come to know Jesus, misery loves company. And the devil will go into hell with company, which is not the will of God, because his will is that none should perish. But listen, temptation often comes after spiritual highs. I don't know how many brothers have said, man, it's like right after I testified, all hell broke loose. Well, that's how you know you belong to God. That's how you know that God is actually at work in your life. Because the devil doesn't want to have it anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't want to let you just be free helping others get free. If there isn't an attack in your life, you got to question whether you got a testimony. Or whether you're sharing your testimony enough. Right? So temptation often comes, trial often comes after spiritual highs. Second thing, well, the third thing I want to share with you here is this. Temptation, temptation will find you in your vulnerability or in your weakness. It is present in our vulnerability. Now, when did Jesus come to tempt, the, uh, when did the devil come to tempt Jesus? Do you notice how the scripture is worded there? It says, when Jesus fasted 40 days, then the devil came to tempt Jesus. And what was the first temptation? If you are the son of God, tell this stone to turn into bread. Food, right? So the devil is tempting Jesus in his immediate need, no? Right? Right at his immediate need or right at a place where there's vulnerability, right? Jesus, Jesus is being tempted. Jesus, the, 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 the devil is trying to uh, tempt uh, Jesus to do something outside of the will of God. And I just want to share this with you. Temptation will find you in vulnerable points in your life or in times when you feel the weakest, right? That's just the reality. If the devil used it with Jesus, it's a reality that we will encounter ourselves. I want you to know something. There is no such thing as a Christian without vulnerabilities and without weakness. I'm going to repeat that again. There is no such thing as a Christian without vulnerabilities or without weaknesses. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't strong Christians. There are many strong Christians. There are mighty giants, women and men of God out there. But they're not mighty and strong in God because they don't have vulnerabilities. They're mighty and strong in God because they recognize that they're weak. And Christ is their strength. Are you with me? You know, the, most, the weakest Christian is the Christian who can admit he's weak. You know, the most vulnerable Christian is the, is the Christian who, who, who can admit that there are breaches that unless, if it wasn't for the grace of God and the body of believers and accountability of the brethren, we will be lost. So, knowing that the enemy will tempt us in times of weakness, what we are to do is, number one, admit that we have a weakness. Right? confess that we are weak there's something i love about alcoholics anonymous and something i love about uh, uh treatment and, and dealing with people who have uh, struggled or are challenged with substance use is that there's this confession of sin very openly it says hey my name is carlos and i'm an alcoholic right i love the honesty in that you know because there's there's something that is said about that that says you know what i'm putting my sin out there i recognize that this is a weakness because if i deal with it now i'm going to be free from it i like that right 
I wonder what would happen if the church believed in confession again. It's like a lost art. What would happen if the church actually admitted that there were sins we needed to confess? Just a thought. What if we just we start calling sin sin and not just weaknesses and challenges? And we start admitting that sin is alive in us because we're sinners in need of a savior. How would the world respond to people who are like humble and admitting that they have issues that they need God to work in their lives, right? Uh, to do a work in their lives. And, and how, how much freer would we be from condemnation? You know, so many of us in church feel so condemned. We come to church and we're like, man, I, I just don't belong here. Everybody here is good. None of them have a sin. None of them are ever tempted, ever. Look at them. They're so holy. They raise their hands. They speak in tongues. They scream heebie-jeebie and all this stuff. They're on a whole nother level. And if you knew what they were thinking, Jesus is sympathizing with them <laughs> while they're speaking in tongues. <laughs> Listen, let's be real. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And part of that is because we've veiled ourselves. And we paint ourselves as if we were perfect. And the reality is, is that we're all damaged goods. But by the grace of God, he came to mend the brokenhearted. You know what I'm saying? Some people have a hard time because sometimes I confess openly that God has set me free from pornography. And that God has set me free and I have boundaries and accountabilities. And I make sure that I have those things in place because I want to live free. Some people really have a hard, t- a hard time with me as a pastor admitting those things. I don't. I'm free. And I know way too many brothers who sit in churches over and over again battling with the same thing, wondering if they could be free. If only we would begin as believers to admit we're vulnerable and we're weak. And it begins by admitting and then, it begin, and then it continues with accountability. Are you with me today? The enemy's going to tempt you when you're at your weakest point. You ever heard anybody say this? Man, everything just seems to go bad on the day, you know, when I feel this way. You know, it, it couldn't be yesterday. No, on this particular day, this person had to say this to me. That's why I acted out that way, Pastor, because it was that particular day. But if it were Monday instead of Tuesday... She caught me on Tuesday, and so she got this response. Come on now. Now, I know you've never said that, but you've heard others say things like that. <laughs> Be aware. It's at moments when we're weak and moments when we're vulnerable when these attacks unleash because he's come to kill, steal, and destroy, not to give you a hard time. Are you with me? All right. Uh, now, let me just share this with you in regards to temptation. Let, let's skip that slide. We'll get into that next week. Let's skip that following slide. The last thing I want to share with you about temptation is this. Temptation plays a role in God perfecting you. Okay? Temptation plays a vital role in God perfecting you. So often we see temptation... You know, as as uh, or we allow temptation or the temptations that we battle with, the struggles that we have to condemn us when the reality is God could be using those very tests, those very temptations to lead us closer to him. Right. 
Remember that scripture in Hebrews that we just read. He sympathizes with us. And when we're tempted, he wants us to go to him, to cry out to him for grace and mercy in time of need, right? So really, I want us to begin to look at temptation, trials, and testings the way that the scriptures want us to look at it. And that's this way. All of that, they're just ushers or a taxi to draw you closer to God. Are you with me? So when you're tempted, instead of condemning yourself this week or feeling like you're not connected with God, I want you to begin to see, you know what? This is just an opportunity for me to draw closer to God. Right? When it's late at night and the computer is calling you and you are, are, are about to visit some web pages, you know you don't want to and you're struggling with, recognize that temptation can be an open door for you to walk away from the computer and go to your prayer closet or go to your brother, confess your sin and draw closer to God. Amen? When you're battling with something and temptation is creeping in, let that be a taxi or an usher that leads you closer to the presence of God. Now, I want you to notice something. The Bible clearly says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Which means this very clear thing. It was the will of God to lead Jesus into a place where he would be tempted. It was the will of God to lead Jesus into a place where he would be tested. A place where he would be hungry. A place where every single thing that would be near and dear to the heart of Christ would be presented to him with an option out. And it is the reality for you and I. The Holy Spirit will lead us into places where we will be tested and yes, even tempted. Are you with me today? That's a reality. But God is not doing that because he wants to see you fall. Neither is he leading you into those places because he wants to shipwreck you or, or he has this attitude of, well, I'm going to see how sister so-and-so does. I know she ain't going to make it. That's not his attitude. But rather, he uses it as it, as it were his hands, molding and shaping us to have his character. You know, sometimes I think that we're actually praying against the very will of God in our lives. Sometimes I think that God puts us into a pressure cooker to deal with some ugly things. And we're, we're rebuking God, saying that we rebuke you, Satan. But it's really God who's at work in us. But now, if that's the truth, what do we do with this scripture where God teaches us to pray, where Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? If the Holy Spirit reserves the right to lead us into temptation, then why does the scripture teach us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? This is the way I interpret this. I believe that when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we're aware of our humanity. And we're crying out to God saying, God, we recognize that we're frail. We recognize that we need a savior. We're praying, God, don't lead us into temptation. But if you must, deliver me from the evil. Are you with me? but deliver me from the evil. The temptation is not the evil. It's the sin that's evil, right? It's committing the sin. You're going to be tempted because you're human. Some of those thoughts, somebody told me uh, just this week, it's like, Pastor, I think I'm going crazy. 
Because all of a sudden I'm sitting and I'm having great thoughts. Then all of a sudden some crazy thought comes in and I want to do something bad. And then I'm thinking other things. It's like three people are in my head. Help me. Help me. It's like, hey, that's my reality too. Give me a high five, right? (laughs) You know, that, that really is. The spirit in you is alive, and so you want to do the things of God. The flesh in you is still alive and needs to die, right? But that thing is asking you to do other things. And then there's the demonic stuff. The devil is putting thoughts that are not yours, but they're coming into your mind. And you're like, where did that come from, right? So there are three, three things operating there, right? And so we have to make the decision to feed the spirit, put to death the flesh, and silence the enemy, right? You got to be like a spiritual Jackie Chan in Jesus <laughs> you know and sometimes it's hard to discern what thoughts from us what's from the flesh and what's just do this when you're in the heat of the battle and you're overwhelmed know this your savior still loves you just cry out for mercy you don't have to solve the issue in your mind praise the lord the lord has already solved it cry out to mercy Right? Cry out, cry out to him for mercy. He will deliver you. Temptation plays a role in God perfecting you. So when he prays, uh, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. We need to see that this way. You know, God, I know my frame. I need you to save me. I need you to keep me. But if you lead me into places of testing, deliver me from that evil. I'm still depending on you. There is no Christian that is so mature that he doesn't need a savior anymore. Are you with me? There is no Christian that is so mature that he doesn't need a Savior. And second, second thing, there is no Christian that is so mature that he doesn't need to be humble about the reality of his flesh and who he is. Jesus, and we'll close with this, Mount of Gethsemane prayed three times. God, if it be thy will, please take this cup from me. I don't want to go through this testing. But let your will be done, not mine. Three times he prayed, please, there's got to be another way. Please don't lead me to this place. Three times. And it's not just, by the way, God, you know, can you, do you think maybe there's another plan? I got some suggestions. No, it's weeping. Weeping, sobbing, trembling before God. Three times, please. Take this cup from me. You know, we read it, and we think of Jesus as this guy that says, Father, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. Why are you sleeping? Get up. Let's go to prayer. What? He is weeping in deep torment over this reality. You know, by the way, I know that there's a movement out there that says only pray for the thing once. Because if you have faith, you only need to pray for it once, you know. So I guess Jesus didn't have faith. I don't, I don't know what they're trying to say with that. If God is leading you to pray for something over and over again because it's burning in your heart, you're not bothering your father, right? Go to the father. Amen. Go to the father. Amen. God is using temptation to make you the person he's called you to be. You can resist the enemy. Next week, we're going to talk about how to respond to temptation when it comes. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Let's pray. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we bless you today.
God, thank you for opening our eyes and our ears to your word. We know, God, that temptation comes after spiritual highs. We know that temptation comes in places where we're weak. And, and we know, God, that you can use our trials and our testing and our temptations to draw us closer to you. Today, we know, God, that uh, when we're tempted, it's not because we're evil. It's just a human condition. If Jesus was tempted, then we're going to be tempted. So we make a decision today to put off this burden that we put on ourselves that is not even human. It's not even possible. It's not possible to try to live a life free from temptation. It's not possible. So many of us, God, are just condemning ourselves because we have these thoughts that come and sometimes we just can't, it just seems so overwhelming. But Lord, your word says that we can take every thought captive. Lord, so instead of condemning ourselves over these thoughts, we're going to, we're going to put them on the altar and say, nope, that's not of God. I will not receive that. I am free in him. Greater is he that is in me than him that's in the world. Today I'm praying and I'm asking you, God, break this condemnation and this burden that so many of us are carrying today that keep us from receiving your love as our Father. Affirm that this morning. Maybe you're here today and that's you. You're saying, you know what, Pastor, that's, that's me. Lately, I've been in a battle in my mind and I just felt like, how could God love me when I'm having these thoughts and this temptation? And I feel so weak, like giving in all the time. And I have given up and I just feel like God has no use for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now, right where you're at? We want to pray for you. We want to come alongside right where you're at. Right where you're at. I want you to know that your father affirms you today. He says to you, I, you are my son, you are my daughter. I am pleased with you. Just run to me. Just run to me. Run to me. I understand. I understand. God would even say, somebody said, in your mind, you said, God must be disgusted of me. He says, I'm not disgusted of you. And I desire to set you free. I desire to pour out my love toward you. Hallelujah. If that's you today, and you know you need to come up to the altar and receive prayer, you say, I want to be free from this condemnation today. Would you come up to the altar right now? We want to pray for you. If the altar workers will come up right now, let's, let's pray. Those who are here who are saying, you know what, I... I surrender this. I surrender these thoughts I had about myself, this condemnation that I carried because of the temptation and the thoughts, the thought patterns in my mind. Amen. Will the altar workers right now, Ms. Chris, if you would help me pray. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I'm in a, a very dry season, a tough season in my life. Finding myself having a hard time controlling these uh, or holding these thoughts captive. I'm really struggling to receive the love of the Father and His affirmation toward me. That's you. Would you come to the altar right now? Let, let's pray with you right now. Would you come to the altor? I want to. 
want to deal with that right now. I don't want that to plague my mind or my life this week. I want to deal with that right now. Brother Adam. Let me pray with you right now. Father, I thank you for your presence and your goodness, Lord. I thank you for your kindness towards us, God, and your, and your grace and your mercy. I thank you, Father God, that you sympathize with us. You understand our frame and you understand our struggle. You're not disgusted with us and you don't push us away. Instead, you love us and you call us to draw close to you. God, I thank you for affirming us and loving us and calling us to cry out for mercy, God. Lord, right now, I thank you for breaking the yoke of the enemy and the condemnation, God, that so plagues us right now in Jesus' name. Father, I break the yoke in Jesus' name. We take authority over these things in Jesus' name. And we pray, God, set free your children, God. Set free your children, God, from this condemnation, God. Oh, God, set free. Set us free from religiosity, God, and these this falsehood that everything's perfect when everything is broken, that everything's lovely when everything, God, is just, it's just broken within. God, I pray in Jesus' name, crush the facades, God, yes, and yes, lead us yes. in freedom in this area, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, God. God, thank you for, thank you for freedom. Thank you for freedom, Thank you for freedom. Thank you, God. Thank you for freedom from false expectations, God. Thank you, God, for freedom, Lord God. And thank you, God, for no more condemnation, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ shine on you. May you feel the love and the affirmation of God the Father every single day of your life because you belong to him. All that you are is his. Amen. God bless you.